Mr. Window. <laughs> I try. I I jumped over to the Arrested Development version of that song. Okay. Who who sings that song, Jeff? Little Sly and the Family Stone, brother. Sly and the Family Stone. Sly and the Family Stone. What's up, everybody? This is Yay Yay Martinez. This is Big Jeff. And this is Beauty and the Beast Mode Podcast, episode twenty. That is English for 20. (laughs) Hey, so today we are doing another Faces in the Crowd interview. Uh, I'm excited about this one, right? I'm I'm, I'm jazzed because I know this individual uh, personally. I know his heart. I know his spirit. I know some of his jokes. We got comedian Will Blaylock in the building. <laughs> Will, welcome, man. Thank you for having me, Jason. Yeah, <laughs> I, I appreciate you saying my entire name like that. I didn't know what you went by <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> hey, man. Uh, real quick, why why did you come out to be on the podcast today? Don't say because I asked you. No, nah, because I. I- Cool, man. I appreciate that, man. I, I I would say the same, man. Thank you. You know, that's that's good, man. It makes me feel good. Give me warm and fuzzies already. Already, Jeff. I wish you had a soundboard. We'd be like, oh. What do you, you, you want to do? We could do the, we could do the, we could, we could do the ahs if you want, man. Just hold up a hand or something. <laughs> Let me know when you want. <laughs> nah, man. Appreciate you being here. Uh, Faces in the Crowd interview for episode 20 of Beauty and the Beast Mode. Uh, For those of you that might be listening for the first time, our Faces in the Crowd interviews, we like to take uh, the people that you might not ever get to meet in life and have them tell tell us their story. Uh, The way they want to tell it uh, will help narrate, but we want to talk about their beginnings, their aspirations, where they've been, where they hope to be, and then uh, what they want their mark to be on this world. So those of you that have listened, you know how we get down. Uh, We like to have fun. We like to laugh. We like to put a lot of positivity back out there. I'm going to warn some of the people out here that might be used to the way we typically do things. What do you think, Jeff? That there may be a little F-bombage and some explicit material spoken about? Potentially, right? I'm not going to put that on Will like that, but potentially, like he said, you know, as comedians, we start to get into these conversations about, we get real passionate. We get real passionate. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Yeah. So, and it's, it's all right. Like, I'm just saying, like, put your kids, you might, you want to put your kids somewhere else. Or get your headphones on. Or get your headphones on. But my parents, my parents were different though. Like my parents, I I think I watched Basic Instinct <laughs> when I was like 12 years old. Like they didn't tell me to go anywhere. They told me to cover my face with my hands, but they didn't tell me to cover my ears. 
Jeff, how you feeling, man? Feeling good, brother. Feeling good. It's been uh, been a couple of weeks, right? Two yeah. weeks. Yeah. Two weeks. What's been up with you? Not a lot, actually. Not a lot. Uh, I think just kind of laying low, man. Trying to really find some inspiration and trying to tap into some creativity. Um, trying to find some different approaches to reach the people out there, man. So. That's about it. None, none major here. But we're not here for us. Today we're here for Will. I was interested. So interesting, in fact, that uh, you decided to do a parody one day. Yeah. <laughs> What was going through your mind when you did this parody? And what is it a parody of? Okay, well, you, uh, I guess for anybody who's listening, I gotta remember that people listening to our conversation, uh, they're probably already aware that you do motivational videos. And uh, I was looking at one of the motivational videos to put up on my news feed. And, uh, and you were like, why is this on here? <laughs> and I was, I was like, what is this nigga doing? Who is he? he? I was like, man, let, you know, let me fuck with this shit, man. Let me, let me fuck with this shit. So I, I had some, some turkey ground beef, some ground turkey on the stove, and I was like, let me just, let me put my niggas who can't do, <laughs> who can't do push-ups on. Let me just show them, you know, life gives you turkey, and they, turkey is not there. <laughs> I. I appreciated that, man. I think, like, once somebody does a parody of you, like, you made it. I felt like I could step out of the comedy game after you did that video of me. You got to have a lot of personality for somebody to do this parody of you. You know what I'm saying? I, I suppose. I like, suppose. Uh, you ain't going to see a parody video of uh, Joe Biden. And I'm shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, all the parodies of Obama, because he, he resonates. Yeah. So you can't yeah, yeah. Do it, so. Uh... I'd like to say, well, uh, yeah, okay. That's about as much as we Obama. Yeah. <laughs> I just be like, <laughs> just like, like so, Will, comedian, how long have you been doing comedy now? Okay. Three, yeah, yeah, yeah. Three years of, of passion, man. I'm, I'm so happy I found it. I had nothing else going on. How would you describe those three years? It went through phases, bro. Um, the, when I first started, I, I was I was really bright-eyed and versatile. I, I was so eager to please other comedians when I first got in. I see this nigga in our life, he did something good. So that's how it was, man. It was it was cool for that, and then I started getting bitter. I, I don't know Around when did you think that you started getting bitter? I want to say maybe after approximately a year and a half, 
at that point, did you even feel, not that you didn't have headline material, but did you think that you would have been able to carry a headline spot as far as like going 30, 40 minutes? burned out. <laughs> I would lo- I would have loved to see that. So let me ask you, for those who don't know you, uh, where, so I'm going to rewind it a little bit. So where did you grow up? You know, what was your home life like? Uh, we always here in Florida. So, as a kid, so how old were you? When they split up. I believe I was about four years old. Okay. So, growing up, knowing that they broke up, yeah. uh, how did that affect you um, as a kid and growing up? God. Um, it didn't, their, their relationship was falling apart. Didn't, it didn't really hit me until, 
to my adult years when I realized that you could be in love with somebody to the point where you decided to legally join them to, to the point where you formed a union and then the next day just have nothing to do with each other. Like the only reason they communicate is because they have children together. I always thought that was weird that it was just a light switch that can go on and off. Like, you know, my mom would say, you know, you know, I, I have love for your dad, but I'm not in love with him. I always thought, you know, love was permanent. Right. You know, so seeing that lets me know that in some cases it can be switched off. And that, that kind of scared me, you know? Right. Because I'm, I'm deeply in love with my girlfriend, but who, who knows? That can be switched off, you know? So as you got older, like now you said that you're deeply in love with your girlfriend and that, that it makes you nervous. Do you think about that on a daily basis? Is it in the back of your head? Have you made a decision, let's say... It's going to be in the back of her head now. <laughs> <laughs> Have you made a decision not to follow the same path? It, you know? More than, more than anything, bro, I'm, I'm a very uh, sentimental person. Um, so, if anything, I'm fighting harder for it not to happen to her. For her not to just have that switch go off to the point where she's like, okay, I can live life without her, without him now. Um, so that's what I think about more so than myself falling out of love because, um, you know, with most men, we, we have penises, and the penises are almost separate from our, from our body. I can, my dick has gotten hard several times, and my brain was like, yo, dick, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be hard right now. You, you scared me because I thought you were going to say right now it got hard. Oh. <laughs> 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 nah, man, y'all are some good-looking guys. Man. I don't know, my dick ain't hard right now. <laughs> but it, it has been times where my dick shouldn't have been hard, that it's been hard. And it, it has made life uh, more complicated for me than it had to be because my dick was like, yo, let's go nut. And I'm like, nah, we shouldn't do nothing right now. We should, we should that go, battle. We should, go, we should go to work. <laughs> to go to work. Like, nah, nah, man, you'll, you'll be all right. Just fucking but, At what age did you know that you wanted to get into comedy? sell boxes of VHS tapes. Like, you can get a whole box for, like, a dollar or two. Um, he got a whole box, and then one of the boxes was Eddie Murphy's greatest hits on Saturday Night Live. Yep, yep. And one of the ones that stuck with me the most was he did a skit where he was a white man for one day, and he put on white face, and he went to the store, and he, uh, he went to go purchase the newspaper, and White man was like, "What are you doing? Take it." And Eddie Murphy yep. was like, "Go ahead, take it." And I was just like, "And I used to act that out for people as a kid, and I just remember how hard they would laugh or whatever." And I just was, "Man, that was that was amazing. I want to be on Saturday Night Live one day, you know." And then I fell in love with Norm Macdonald on the Weekend Update. Okay, yep, yeah. yep. So that's that's probably when I decided. I originally wanted to just be on Saturday Night Live before I went to doing stand up, but that was my first introduction. And how old were you? When I want to say maybe 10, 10 or 11. 10. So, is there a party that still wants to do that? Saturday Night Live? Yeah. Oh, man, as it is now, no, man. They, they are terrible. Have you seen it lately? Yes. Jesus <laughs> Christ. They are fucking terrible, man. It's, it's almost kind of like, uh, it reminds me a little bit of all that. Like, you come on Nickelodeon. <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh, it's so, they're so bright and colorful. 
If I could, if I could though, go back in time though to one of the earlier seasons, I, I still have a have a place for them in my heart. But I, I kind of like boundaries that you're playing. So throughout the years with SNL, because obviously that was a big influence with you, I'm gathering yeah. with the way that you're talking about it. So what, like those Eddie Murphy years, those I think like '80s, yeah. right? Was that your favorite cast that was on there? Um, the, the thing was, it was like, uh, it was weird the way I watched it because I, I, I don't, I, I can't think of a time where I actually watched Saturday Night Saturday Night Live live. A lot of times I'd be watching reruns of past seasons. Okay. So I didn't know who was with who. I just knew the skits. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Because I, I don't think I ever watched any of them live. Okay. So, we had we threw some stuff out on Facebook yesterday, and, and somebody was asking, uh, what would be like your favorite shows from the eighties, nineties, and two thousands? Favorite shows like just point blank period. Yeah, like comedy shows. Comedy. Oh man. Um, I used to really like, uh, aside from Saturday Night Live, I really liked, um, I was probably more of a movie guy. I'm trying to think of television shows that I used to watch. Uh, like, were you a fan of, like, In Living Color and, oh, yeah, like, yeah. Mad TV and Color, that Mad type TV, of stuff? I, I was on and off. I, I could go without it, but Saturday Night Live, uh, yeah, Mad TV, I was a real big fan of, uh, of uh, the shows that used to come on called Firefly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I really liked the main character. He was just so smooth. He was, like, cool. Nathan Fillion, Fillion. You, you got my geek radar going off, brother. Yeah, yeah, and I used to think he was so smooth. I used to like that, that kind of, I like cool guys in comedy. I, I was never into the high energy guys. I like the cooler guys. Right. I'm, I'm a little disappointed you didn't say House of Buggin'. <laughs> that was John Leguizamo's sketch comedy show that he had on for like a short period of time on, really? on Fox, yeah. That sounds really familiar. Well, me and my family, <laughs> probably the only ones. That's probably why it didn't last at all. But that's where uh, Luis Guzman, the yeah, that's where he he got one of his his starts on House of Bugging. So, Leguizamo's first that first like storytelling. Did no, the one that he did on the stage. Spick, that might have been No, maybe the second one then. Okay, second Freak. one. Was it Freak? Might have been Freak. I love that one. Yeah, yeah. I they kind of run together now. But, yeah, I mean, that was one of the, I mean, that was one of my first influences, like, because he was just telling, like, telling the stories. Like, like he wasn't on stage, like, doing a set. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, he was on there telling stories. And then when he came out, um, as far as, Latino comics, like there was Paul Rodriguez, George Lopez was probably scratching the surface, you know what I mean? But Leguizamo killed it when he came out with those the, the shows, man. See, you're a tad bit younger than me, but what about Cheech and Chong, bro? Cheech Marin. Yeah, 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 okay. But like they were killing it with the movies. But they, even before the movies, they had, they had the comedy albums. Okay. Which were amazing. Yeah, that's before my time. Wait, but I would love to hear those comedy albums. Oh, they're, oh, they're good. They're Mexican, though. I, they're Puerto Rican. <laughs> but not, not uh, 
Cheech Marin is. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Chong, Tommy Chong, it, that's his name, Tommy Chong, right? Yeah, no, he's not Hispanic at all, I don't even no, think. No, yeah. He just rides. <laughs> <Tommy Chong. laughs> yeah. But uh, Ray, Don, Ray Don Chong, Ray Don, yeah, yeah that's, his, that's his daughter. You know what I'm talking about? Oh man. I don't know. Commando. Have you seen Commando? I haven't seen Commando. Oh man, you are oh you slacking with some of these. What how old are you now? Twenty seven. Twenty seven. Yeah, you need you should see Commando. I'm gonna check it out. What is, who is it? On a Schwarzenegger. I'm, so, I'm gonna check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's okay. That's where the get to the chopper. <laughs> oh yeah. Get to the chopper was commando? Was that predator? Get to the chopper was a predator. Commando is where he's holding the dude off of the side of the building. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, you got to see it. Good old, yeah, yeah. Yeah, some of his good, some of his new movies was all right. I saw one. I saw one where he was. Uh, uh, was it? Nah, not the last stand. Johnny Knoxville. It was like SWAT. It was like called SWAT. Oh no, like sabotage. Sabotage. That was sabotage. good. It was, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I'm yeah. gonna check it out. Yeah. That was yep. Step. You got Netflix. You got Netflix. Yeah. Step your Netflix game up because right I don't even know. We try. We try to get some sponsors. We try to get some sponsors, man. We try to get that little banner on the side of our SoundCloud page. That's what we're trying to do, man. So back to you, Will, man. Um, what was what was going through high school like for you? Because and in high school, did you still have those aspirations of doing comedy, or did it like kind of fade out of your brain until you became like more of eighteen, nineteen, twenty? So you were talking about Saturday Night Live and Eddie Murphy in particular being an influence with you. Was there anything else growing up or in junior high, high school that oh. kind of gave you that flame for comedy? Was was Corey on same like I know him right? Everybody, everybody else says Corey Holcomb. Oh, Corey. Hey Corey, yeah no, it was, was Corey was but Corey Holcomb wasn't on at the same time as Lil Rel, right? Lil Rel, uh, last time standing. Yeah. I, I don't believe he was on the season with Gas Man and Richard Barr. Oh yeah 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 okay yeah. Yeah, and 
Was Gary Goldman on that season? Oh, he's on the next one. That's when they actually like had challenges and like lived in the house or yeah, something like that. Yeah. You always tell it was the black guy. It was like yeah, a yeah. black guy on each season. Mm-hmm. So when I seen Corey Holcomb, I was like, wow, this is crazy. He was dogging these women out. And these women out in the crowd just laughing. They are having it up. And they let me know that if the material is good enough, it, it doesn't matter what you're talking about if you make it good enough. Right. And Garrett Morris was actually even before Eddie on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. That's going back to like the 70s, yeah. like way back when. You know Garrett Morris? Uh-uh, Did you watch Martin? Yeah. The the old his boss was yeah. my boss. Oh yeah. yeah. Did you ever see two broke girls? No. I, I, okay, I know who you're talking about. He was on the the dude at the, the front with the beard. register. Yeah. 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 I didn't even know yeah. he was on Saturday Night Live. Oh yeah. yeah. Main main player back when. Yeah. yeah. I just read a book called The Comedians They Gave It To Me. It's supposed to be like a history of comedy. Mm-hmm. And they 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 started like they they skipped over a lot with the black guys. But I'm I'm gonna check that out. That is I did not know. I just yeah. learned something yeah. new. Yeah. I'm good for the old guy references, you know? <laughs> Let me say, back in 1955, <laughs> Smokey Anvil. Four score. Were there any kind of shows or anything like that in high sc- throughout high school, talent shows or anything, where you were able to display, actually display what you thought comedy was at the time? No, it's okay. Let him, let him come up. Not knowing that I'm a, I'm a fucking idiot. But the dean knew. The, yeah, she knew. <laughs> she knew. So I walked up to the front. She handed me the microphone and said, go ahead. And I said, uh, it's a problem in this school. A lot of times when you're uh, trying to dress out for them, the guys grab each other's butt. Everybody is just screaming, and then and I'm just like, you know, so you know, guys, stop, stop grabbing each other. 
before I can even go sit down and Dean is doing this. Like, uh-huh. And she brings me into the office and she's pulling out my, my file uh-huh. and she's writing stuff down. She said, what's your mom's number? And I was like, I, I'm sitting there playing dumb. Like, what are you talking about? We grabbed you. And then the girl who got raped actually came into the office and was like, no, it's okay. He was just telling the story. We told him to do it. And I was like, well, I am a huge, I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> So, do you feel like that was your first actual performance? It really was. Mm-hmm. It was so Andy Kaufman-esque. Right, right. I was just up there, wide-eyed, like, you got to stop grabbing each other's butts, guys. What did you take from that? Oh, man, that, uh, how good it felt to just, mm-hmm. to just say what I thought was funny and have other people find it. Right, right, right. It's funny. Mm-hmm. So when you write your material, do you write stuff that makes you laugh, that you find funny, or do you write for an audience, per se? How much of a role does uh, pop culture, politics, things happening in, in the in the world around us play in your material, in your writing, in your in your thought process, or does it even? So you were talking about your material and certain material. Have you ever had an instance where you're performing at a show and uh, let's say somebody in the audience didn't like what you were saying? Like, did you have problems with them during the show or after the show? Or Oh, yeah. It's, 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 yeah, I did a show in um, Sylvester Stallone. 
enjoyable. Um, yeah, it was it was Savannah, and I did a, I did a joke about uh, domestic abuse, and a girl booed me. She was booing me, but it, it meant so much. You got booed. She booed. It was, it was, it was I'm, so, I'm sorry about that laugh. People, people probably listening like he's laughing at him getting booed. It's it's just a thing. Like <laughs> it's sad because you're laughing at domestic abuse. Yeah, laughing at the people booing at. I guess. It, I don't know. But it, it, it meant a lot. I like the fact that she booed me because she wasn't she wasn't so strongly she wasn't she didn't feel so strongly against me. She felt strongly against the joke. So she, I ended up winning the lady back eventually. Um, but the fact was, I like that she. I would rather I would rather get booed by a room full of people than have a room full of people looking at their phone the whole time in your face because the show on his resume is a joke by the way it's gonna get to some crazy things. It's hard to get people to laugh at the mess, especially white girls, and they were they were cracking. It was cool, but that she, the fact she booed let me know I connected. You know, the only way it you know it gets to the point I see shop comics and it's like all they do to the point where you're not even. What? How how does Will Blaylock write? What's the process? Oh man, like this right here, what we're doing is conversations with people, and I might realize something we said was just clever, or you know, or you might say something. I'm like, hey, can I? Do you mind if I, if I use that for something? I, I was talking to one of my friends, another comic, um, and I was just talking about religion, and he said. Uh, I thought converting Islam was just a phase that uh, black guys went through in prison. I was like, can I use that? (laughs) (laughs) So it it just comes from conversation. It's rare that I can force myself to write. But if I'm just talking with somebody, cracking jokes back and forth, the the smallest little quip from somebody can can write a whole three-minute joke. Do you, when you write out a three, when you do a three-minute joke, you think about a three-minute joke, do you write it out verbatim? Several times. I feel like the first three minutes of me being on stage is me trying to work through remembering what the next 10, 15, 27 has to be, you know? So... Is there any subject matter that you refuse to talk about during, like, one of your sets? I, I don't like to feel... I don't... It, it just depends, I guess, on how it makes me feel. It might be a joke that I won't tell for a certain crowd. I did a show in St. Augustine, and I was doing a joke about Barack Obama and how I didn't like him. And the joke was just supposed to be... The whole... A lot of the joke was just supposed to be this black guy. He doesn't like Obama because... 
crowd was like an older white crowd, and they just loved to shit on Obama. And I hated the way that made me feel. I was like, I'll never do this again. I'll never give you the pleasure. So, if I, if I, so like, you know, I might not do a joke for a certain crowd, and um, that's just something personal. I don't like how I feel. Like, it almost makes me feel like, like I'm up there at a, at a minstrel show. If I'm doing, if I'm down to black folks in front of white folks, you know, people are laughing. It's like, yeah, niggas, they, they don't pay me back. You know what I mean? That's... A lot, like a lot of the stuff that I do, like I don't, I talk about my family and everything, but like I don't talk about like Hispanics or Latinos as a culture, yeah. you know what I mean? Because I don't want to do that. Like I don't want to down my people yeah. in front of a crowd that expects me to come up there and down my people because that's what they've heard before. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I definitely understand where you're coming from, man. And I, like that's a hurtful feeling. You just want to walk off like... Yeah. You know what? Y- y'all don't get it. I'm out. Yeah, you know? like y'all laughing for the wrong reason. Yeah, yeah. That's why when Dave Chappelle said that shit, I, I could completely understand, mm-hmm. you know, how you Cause y'all about the same level? <laughs> <laughs> when Dave, Corey and Dave, when we were talking with Corey and Dave. <laughs> but no, it's just, it's just, oh man, such a bad person. I felt like Stacey Dash and John Lennon. Yeah, yeah. So I don't feel as bad. Speaking of like the, the different crowds, right? Mm-hmm. How do you feel about people saying different crowds? Like comics saying, "Oh, I'm this kind of comic, and I work with this crowd, or I work with this crowd only, or I can't work with this kind of crowd." How do you feel about like the local state of comedy for us? And then on a on a much bigger scale, where do you see that as it relates to comedy? Yeah, man. I, I feel like when, when, when that happens, it just shows the, the lack of ability that the comic has as a writer, the lack of uh, confidence they have in their own material. Like, I, I'm not for everybody, but I'm not also specifically for anybody. Like, um, who likes me more, there are certain groups that like me more than other groups, but that's simply because they, they I guess they can um, relate to what I'm saying more, but you know, I, I've heard, I've heard the, you know, there'll be black comics saying, oh yeah, I love this white woman, I just say it like it's a privilege or something, or you know, white comics scared to go to a black show, and it's just like, you gotta have faith, like, you gotta have faith in what you're writing, like, um, Material isn't very relatable for for them. Um, I don't feel like they can relate on that level. But I feel like at the same time, um, the material is so strong that even if you can't relate, you get it. You know what I mean? Like um, I open with, "Hey, I know it's a lot of white people in this crowd. I want to let you guys know I say nigger a lot." <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's it's like if the material's strong enough, you can do what you always do. 
you gotta have faith in it. I think a lot of comedians fuck up when they wanna please everybody. They look at it as a business um, as compared to an art form. I remember um, I was listening to comics a couple couple months, no years ago maybe, and he was giving it was a newer comic and an older comic, and he was just like, yeah man, I'm reading your jokes, man. You say nigga too much. He was like, yeah. He was like, yeah man. If you you keep saying nigga, you're not gonna be able to do this kind of show, that kind of show. He was like, oh yeah, you're right. And that's when I realized it's not so much uh, comics being for certain groups. It's it's more of certain comics being in it for the art, and certain comics being in it for the money. Certain comics want to be marketable to everybody because they want to make as much money as they can make. And some comics want to be as good as they can be. And sometimes that means not being relatable to a certain group of people. And so be it. You know, um, I think I do the work in front of older black women, but that doesn't stop when I go into a show and I do a show and it's older black women in the crowd. I change nothing about my act. And there have been times where I've murdered a crowd of black women. When did you get out, bro? <laughs> 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 uh, a GoFundMe account. But, no, um, you know, and it's just because I don't change it. Because I feel like if you if you change it to the crowd, then you're not really... You, you might have some people that say, oh, he's pretty good. But it, it's not going to hit him where it should be hitting him. You know what I mean? Like, let's say Corey, for example. Mm-hmm. You know Corey. Corey Holcomb? Oh, of course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you know his material is misogynistic. It's mm-hmm. fuck. It's, it's shitting on women. Let's say one day he did a show for a crowd that was mostly women, and instead of doing his normal shtick, he, uh, ladies, man, men are dumb. Ain't they dumb, ladies? Mm-hmm. So they don't y'all hit? And then, of course, he's going to make, you know, most people, they're, they're going to laugh, whatever, but yeah. if he goes out there and he does his thing, he's, he's going to piss some women off. He's going to piss most of them off, but the women that like it are going to like it, and he's going to have a fan for life. So how, how do you get to that level, right? Because at this point, somebody like Corey Holcomb is already there, and when they come to see Corey Holcomb, they know what they're coming to see, yeah. right? So how do you navigate that? Do you find it difficult because I've been to a bunch of yay shows and I I just love comedy. Um So you made sure to say you made sure to say comedy. You made sure not to say I just love Jason's material. But I've seen there's one night when he kills and then there might be another night that it's not when it's not as much let's say and the way that i've always looked at it is because we were talking about crowds and stuff like that like 
that first audience was people I don't know who could relate to it or or yeah. maybe have a better sense of humor. Yeah. Uh, I definitely know that there are times you could see people in the audience when you're like, this dude came and just got like dragged here by somebody because he don't want to laugh at all. Yeah. Do you find that difficult? Like, do you think funny is funny no matter what? No matter what type of crowd is there, that either they get it or they don't. Yeah. My stuff is good, and and they'll laugh. Or do you think that crowds do make a difference some nights? Yeah, crowds crowds definitely uh, definitely make a difference because you know sometimes it's just kind of a hive mind. You know, I've seen it where some some of the crowd it, it, it kind of feel like they're laughing because other people are laughing. You hive, you said hive mind like group think. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. You get what I'm trying to say. I no, I totally understand, man. I totally understand. I don't. I, I don't think um, I mean, I don't think I'm everybody's bag. I don't think everybody's bag. But that's like, I think there. So there's unique, and there's authentic, right? So unique, you could be different. Yeah. Like you're unique. You look different. You have a different look. Like, um, but a lot of people could be unique, but are they authentic? Where's their material stemming from? Exactly. Is it, is it real? Is it them, yeah. or is it just some other stuff? So they may, ha they may. Oh, this is a unique dude. I, like his voice is different and everything, yeah. but the stuff he's saying is the same. It's not authentic, yeah. you know. So it doesn't carry. Yeah. So I totally understand what you're saying, man. I think, I think, a lot of cats haven't figured out being unique and being authentic. They think they can get on stage and they're a new comic. You're unique. You because you're new. Yeah. But is your stuff authentic? Nah, bro. That's we've heard it before. You know. I, we did that before. We did that. Right? I did it with Spence Rizzo. Yeah, I, yeah. Shout out to Spence Rizzo uh, in the wine bar Wednesdays at uh, seven thirty ish. Um, yeah, yeah. Comedy uncorked. But we we went to Rain Dogs one night, and uh, I was like, I was I was bugging him for I was bugging him for a few weeks. I was like, let's just switch sets, man. Like unseen, like you give me yours, like, you, like go up there and we do it. We went up at the same time on stage together, had two mics, and he was trying to do what I had. And, you know, my material is way longer than Spence's and, like, yeah. more, you know. And then Spence has those, like, you know, like, like it's, it's they're kind of quick. 
Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. They're kind of quick and like witty and everything. So I had to try and figure out what his words meant and transcribe in my own way. And he did the same with mine, and it was. Uh, I mean, I couldn't pull Spencer's stuff off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know, but then when the actual person does it, because it's so deep, but then you got guys here who literally share jokes. <laughs> the jokes do decent, but it's just like, it's so fucking generic. It, it doesn't mean anybody could tell the fucking joke. Speaking of, would you ever have, because we've heard like before, like people writing other people's jokes or whatever, like writing for them, yeah. writing with them. However you want to put it, right? Uh, Would you ever allow that for yourself personally? Oh, uh, right now, no. I couldn't, I couldn't see myself doing it anytime soon. Um, there have been times where, I, you know, like I say, we've been having conversations and somebody say something witty, and I'd be like, can I use that for a joke? But that's about as far as I would, I would go. As far as sitting down in a session, like, hey, like for the purpose of us sitting down is to help me write material, I don't think I could do that, man. Like if someone said, I wrote a joke for you, Will. I've seen you perform before. I, I, I've been around here. I wrote a joke for you. They've done that. And I'm like, oh, let me, okay. I, I can say okay a lot. Shake my hand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So three years strong, right? Yes, sir. Close to three years strong. What, what has been your greatest moment to this point in comedy? And for those that don't know, what explain the Laughing Skull Festival a little bit. Uh, the Laughing Skull Festival is uh, it's, it's in Atlanta. It's about seven days long. And it's just with comedians from around the United States. Um, it's comedy for Atlanta to do comedy. There's a competition and you get to win. But just the whole atmosphere is very conducive uh, to comedy. I've seen some really, some really good comics out there. Um, so the fact that I could be included with that. And it was the first festival I ever applied to. <laughs> I, I have to submit first, you know. Like, how, to, how often do you record all of your sets? Why? Um, I guess it's, it's just not fun. It's, it's pretty, as childish as that is to say, I enjoy the fun part. I enjoy coming, talking shit with the other comedians, and, uh, you know, going on stage, getting on stage. But the whole, hey, uh, you know, I seen your set, man. I heard you got a show here. I want to come to your show. Or doing a whole, like, 
So how does how does that hinder you? So, kind of what you're saying, what I'm getting from you is that you have certain morals or beliefs or how you feel about stuff, and you're not willing to compromise that just to get a gig. Yeah, man. Yeah, that was, that was poetic. I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never know, right? Um, so I was listening to something recently where somebody was talking about how they go to speak, right? So let's say they go to a speaker's conference. And the idea was that, let's say I'm them. I'm going to a speaker's conference. They may be here from somebody else. But my objective right now is not, and I don't say this in a bad way, but it's to shit on them, who they came to see, yeah. and when the people leave, Everybody. they want to see me again, yeah. right? How could you put yourself in that position? Exactly, Do, doing the things that I, that I don't do, man. Um, just, just putting myself out there, meeting, meeting people. I'm super awkward, man, around people who I don't know. Right, right. So, so how do you anticipate, or where do you anticipate? When do you anticipate that breakthrough? Right, because for for a lot of us, like like it's a door open. It's a it's it's a it's a breakthrough moment. It's somebody seeing me that hadn't seen me before. How do you how do you put yourself in that position if you're not allowing yourself? to do some of those things that you're speaking about? Show. 
mm-hmm. not there with me and like can't put me on his show. Right. As opposed to me having to be on a show with another comic who has a really good room in their city, but the comic is like a fucking hack. So mm-hmm. you gotta go to this hack and be like, hey man, I heard you had a really good room. Like, yeah, man, yeah. Hey, you're pretty good. And then you just take it everything he says as an offense and get mm-hmm. pretty good. Who do you think you are? You Why does it matter though? Why does it matter? Right. I'm not paying attention. I'm focused on this guy, and then I'm, I'm making a beeline after the show to the good comic who ain't got shit going on. Like, mm-hmm. like, hey man, that was that was some good shit, man. Like, yeah, blah blah blah. And then the fucking the hack with the the awesome room. I'm not even acknowledging them when I should be acknowledging them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's just because I wanna. I just think iron sharpens iron, and I could then, you know, he might tell me something he does that I could be like, oh yeah, or even just. Our conversation could build a relationship to where, you know, maybe he'll put me on something and I don't have to, you know, just grin and bear it talking to this hack. Mm-hmm. So I'm not a comic or comedian or, or anything. Um, what term do you prefer? I like comic, man. You like, you like comic? I... I'm sorry, me. <laughs> when you say comic or comedian, it just raised the question if you prefer comic or comedian. I think I was listening to, I can't remember what podcast it was, but they were going back and forth on the comic comedian thing. Yeah. And really not even going back and forth. Somebody's like, when I hear comic, I think like open mic comic. When I hear comedian, I, I, I feel like it's somewhere that's out there like with that profession that's out there, like shows, road gigs, all of that. So that's why I was just wondering what term you preferred. I mean, I is it? I want to say it's interchangeable, but I understand their perspective. I say comic. So I'm not a comic. <laughs> <laughs> um, shit! Now you made me forget what the hell I was gonna say. Son of a bitch. You can get the mic back. <laughs> so, Laughing Skull Festival. What did that produce for you? Oh man, it got, I got to just see some, some amazing comics, uh, some really good guys who I've never met before. And how did you fare? How did I fare? Oh man, it was a fucking murder scene every time I left. It was just, hey, hey, I, a lot of the folks never met any comics from Jacksonville, but they told me I was by far the funniest. <laughs> Was it like that at all? No, nah, not in my shows. Um, the shows were the shows were they had crowds, so I don't know who 
crowd, but um, you know, and I, I got no not kind of network full of stuff. Mm. But my goal is to get back in and get uh, noticed by somebody who can put me on to the uh, Just for Last in Montreal. Yeah. That's. Mm-hmm. I think I bet if it's Just for Last, I probably would probably relax a little bit. That's. I mean, Just for Last and working with Corey. You, you can't relax. You can't relax after so that's not that's not the pinnacle. I thought it was. <laughs> that's not the pinnacle. Like that's when you're like, okay. And listen, like I'm nobody, right? But I feel like that's when I would be like, okay, this is this is where it starts. Okay, I got you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this this is where it starts now. Like next level. Next level like I'll talk to y'all <laughs> later on. You're right, you're right, bro. I guess I can't see past it right now. Right now. Yeah, yeah. So years ago, I was in a band. I was in a bunch of bands, but I was in a band that we were playing a lot, popular, hitting the road all the time. So at what point, like, do you have a mindset of, let me, whether it be those rooms that you don't want to do for those hacks, Mm -hmm. do you just say, let me slam out every show and kill it? to as many shows as I can, get in front of as many people as I can just to get the name out, you know, your name, your comedy, your, everything about you this way. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not in the business, so. Yeah. But do you feel like you did that with So, like, with my band, we played every crappy show in front of, like, two people and, and just went pounded, 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 pounded until we started getting the notoriety, more people at the shows. We're getting bits in the newspaper and, and all this stuff and we wound up winning uh, some big contest out of 100 bands we went to Toronto, Canada and, and all this stuff so like the more that you get out there in front of more people and stuff like that gaining popularity so I just wanted to kind of ask after all that bullshit wow <laughs> what, what, what is your what is your mindset like for rolling forward in the future and I know you mentioned the the, the uh, Montreal thing. Yeah. Like, what's your kind of goal? Oh, man, short, short term right now, I want to, um, my goals have kind of shifted more so from, um, more so from, you know, where I perform, who I perform for, as to uh, what I'm performing. Like, my, my, my short term goal is to have 35 minutes of um, material. kind of weird man with comedy that's why I like the open mic because if I don't feel if I can go up there and if I don't feel like going up I don't have to go up but then you start to make commitments to people and the day of the, the day of the show I'm like oh I don't have to go up to that show I don't have to do this and then you know luckily a lot of times you get up there and you, you're happy you came but uh, sometimes you're like it's, it's, so, it's hard to cut the switch on you know have you ever had that where you The the biggest one that I remember is we had uh, a showcase in front of three different record labels, and there were literally, I think, ten people there. 
And when we got there, I was just like, are you shitting me? Really? You know, so it bums you out, and mentally it kind of takes you out of the game. But then it was just the band getting together and, like, I don't care if there's just the janitor, the jizz mopper here, you know, like, like this dude, we're going to play our hearts out for him. You know, so it was like, let's just kick it into overdrive and do it. But, yeah, mentally, like, right when we got there, it was like, damn, really? You know, but then it was like, let's slam it out. See, yeah, that's that's probably, I should, I should probably surround myself with people with that mindset you had. Because even when I was at the festival, I was, before it was over, I was ready to come home. I, did, I was at an Airbnb, and I didn't like how I could hear the music from the next room. And I was like, man, I'm ready to go home now. You know, and it is like, it's hard to cut it on and cut it off. And I just, I want to get that mindset. Right. The one thing that I learned from all the years doing the band stuff was nobody's going to do it for you but you. You know, like we always had people who were like, I'm going to get you this show, and then it would fall through. Or the big one that I could relate to was we were told that it was going to be like a second Woodstock before Woodstocks came back around in like 95 or something. And we wound up. We paid the dude to play this show. He said it was a giant open field, giant stage, all this stuff. Yeah. It wound up being an open field with like a tiny bar on it. And he was saying how thousands of people were going to be there, and there were like 15 people there, nice. other than the bands. Yeah. But so the biggest takeaway for me was only you can get yourself to that next level, you know, by. And a lot of the times it was doing stuff that I didn't want to do or the band didn't want to do, you know, and just sucking it up, knowing that if we did this, that it might take us to the next level yeah. doing something else, you know? So, well, how, I'm sorry. How far, so how far did you end up going with the band? Like, what was the, what was, you feel like was the, was the plateau? So we had one, like that one big show that we had, we were in that battle of the bands out of 100 people. Uh-huh. Um, wound up that... We came in second place. We we were told we would have came in first place if we were more mainstream, and more people would listen to us. We were a heavy metal band, um, but then they flew us to Toronto to play the Canadian Music Festival, and from there, uh, like Soulfly played a big heavy metal band. Kitty played, um, so that was like a biggie. But then the band just kind of we weren't playing we weren't practicing we were paying for a studio my first daughter was born yeah. and i'm like all right i'm done you know but so that was the, the festival was probably the, the high point for you uh the Canadian that show that led us to the festival that was your high point. we had probably like 500 to 700 people at the show and when we didn't win they started screaming and ripping the place apart asking me back on stage to chill everybody out. If social media was around at that time. Right, <laughs> right. It would have been a world, right. it would have been a big deal. Yeah. So, so, so how can you relate? Like, what's going through your mind, let's say hearing that, as far as you going forward in the future? I guess I gotta focus on 
what I want as a long term as opposed to short term. You know what I mean? Um, so when 10 years from now, what do you want people to say about Will Blaylock? 25 years from now, what do you want people to say about Will Blaylock? But I would also say this, right? For Patrice O'Neill, Bill Burrs, maybe like they also didn't have those platforms. You know what I mean? So there was a, there really wasn't a choice there to put a lot of their stuff out the way that we can put our stuff out now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So in, in my mind, it's like, well, would they use that as an advantage for them? Yeah. Oh, I get, you know? I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. It takes me 140 characters to set up to <laughs> You know what I mean? So I, I, I would have no use for that. And I don't want to short my attention. 140 characters would be the pause in between. <laughs> <laughs> in between. <laughs> 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 the And then for Instagram, um, I, don't, I don't like short videos. I can't, I don't, I can't get my point across in a short video. I, mm-hmm. It has to be a build-up for me. You see me do I'll sit there and build up a joke for three minutes just to say, she had a snitch on me? Just for that. Yeah, so yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's not it's not something I can use. Or why the long face? Or why the long face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly, bro. So it's like, I wouldn't be able to utilize it. For me to use it would mean changing something. And, you know, cutting stuff down, cutting stuff out. You know, or if I made a video, making it 60 seconds. If I, if I make a video, man, it's going to be a long Mm-hmm. Video. You know what I mean? So check us out. We got a segment, a new segment that we're working on, right? We've only done it with a couple of people. So now we get to do it with you. We've even changed up some of the questions that we have for you. But I'm gonna let Big Jeff tell us a little bit more about it and then take us through the segment. 
So we used to use, uh, there's a TV show called Inside the Actors Studio uh-huh. on the Bravo Network. Come on, Bravo Dollars. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, <laughs> we didn't either. <laughs> we looked it up. Fact checking? <laughs> um, but it's pretty much, we've changed it up. You're the actual first one that we did change it up for. Uh, but it's just a few questions, you know, uh, just answer honestly and... and, and is, it, is it meant to be more rapid fire? Like? Uh, the old ones were. The old ones were? This might be a little uh, slower fire. Right. Semi-automatic. Uh, what or whom has inspired you when you were younger or today? What about him? Just his, his, old, his old aura of, uh, it was all, I used to hear stories about him being so stuck in his ways that it hurt his career. But in the long run, it's in my eyes, it made him like a legend, you know, to see somebody so, what, what's the word I'm looking for? This stuck in their ways. stick intuitiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the stick intuitiveness, I guess. Uh, Uncompromising. Uncompromising, yeah. Somebody that uncompromising that it would, it, he he almost he hurt himself. He wasn't as I feel like what kept him from being as big as uh, Kevin Hart or Dave Chappelle was his his unwillingness to compromise because he did not have it, and you know that time too. You know what I mean? Like he passed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think time plays a role in that because he was, I mean. He was he was getting gigs. He was on the office, you know what I mean, and stuff like that. So I feel like he could have had another launching pad like in front of him had he not passed, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then with the behind the scenes stuff, stuff he was offered that he, yeah. he didn't do because he didn't want to do it, or he didn't do it because he didn't like it, and you know, it's like wow, man, I didn't know you could do that. I thought you had to just grit your teeth and bear it. You know? Right, right. He did it his way. Yeah. Uh, in what type of setting are you most creative, whether it be writing or just blatantly creative? Um, at, a, at, a, at a table with food. <laughs> nice. Really, that's really, I'm serious, man. If, if, uh, TGI Friday's got the all-you-can-eat app. TGI, what's up? <laughs> you know, sitting there talking to my sister, I've probably come up with a lot of material, you know, things like that. Just, uh, I don't know what it is about just even if I'm not, even if it's just like some celery sticks or something, we're just chewing and talking. It just gets my brain going. So. Just that social atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, and then the food. With it, food. It, it, co- it covers the, the quiet moment. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, other than your current job or comedy, what occupation would you like to try? show that, that uh, my family has an addictive personality personalities and um, I sh- I could have easily been 
selling drugs. It was, it was drugs were more accessible to me than books. You know what I mean? I had to, the the library was further away from my house than the, the dope man. You know what I mean? Right. And I knew the dope man by name. Um, so I, I just I would love to be able to tell somebody like, hey, even though you're here, it doesn't mean you have to stay here. And even if you enjoy it here, you can make it better. What what made you I'm gonna slap you, I swear to God. I'm slow sometimes and it takes a minute. What got you through those times in your childhood where you didn't go down that road? What having her friendship and me and her would just sit and laugh we we make fun of our environment we we drive we write comics draw comic strips of making fun of the, the crackheads walking up to the stores or we make fun of you know the stuff and sat and satirize it um i remember my mom found comics we made of her um under the entertainment system and she blew the fuck up and we were just <laughs> we were just trying to hold in the laughter because she was doing the stuff we drew on the comics like who is this what y'all think about me? And we would just be like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Page two, ma. <laughs> yeah, so it, it was definitely my little sister, man. It, that, like, that's what we wrote. That's exactly <laughs> what we wrote. Yeah, even like uh, she had this long robe and her titty would always be out. And we'd always tell her, like, ma, can you fix your robe? And she'd be like, I'm in my house. I'm like, man, you have to have your titty out. So, you know, <laughs> and so in the thing, she's yelling at us with this paper, like, yeah, this, and y'all drawing titties? So you made the conscious decision to go that other route. Yeah, for it, your sister. It, it didn't even uh, it didn't even apply to us, man. We were always in the house. We were. It was almost like even though we were in it, we were separate. Almost. Cool. What do you want your audience to take with them after performance? So, kind of meaning, do you just want them to walk away with a smile on their face? Laughter in their bellies, <laughs> or <laughs> or are there specific things that you would like them to take away? Oh man, if if I could get them to look at comics at a different point of view, even if they can't accept the point of view, um, just be able to understand it. You know what I mean? Like uh, one of my big things recently was the whole homosexual thing. I'm not attracted to men, but I understand. If you had access to a time machine and were able to use it once to travel to one place on one specific day, where would you go and why?
come right back, right? Yep. Okay. Um, but that's it. <laughs> One shot, boom. In high school, there was this girl I had a crush on, and she got in a fight, and her titties popped out. And when her titties popped out, I was still in the cafeteria putting up trays. So when I came back, everybody was like, yeah, uh, such and such titty popped out. And I was like, oh, my God, are you serious? They was like, yeah, and they knew I was in love with her. And I just would like to go back and see that titty. <laughs> Do you envision, like, when you saw your mom and oh, her robe, oh. were you thinking about every time you're like, that, I, mean, I wish that was that girl? <laughs> I love my mom. My mom turned me off titties, man. I can't, I'm not even a titty man because uh, I, I think I'm an ass man, man. I, I look at ass now. No sexual. Women can breastfeed. McDonald's, all they want around me. <laughs> You can go to dinner and are allowed to bring three people with you to dine. Past, present, alive, or dead. Who do you bring with you and why? Oh, man, that is, that is easy, man. Rod Serling, uh, Patrice O'Neill, and um, probably, uh, oh, man, what are their names? Rod Serling, Patrice O'Neill. Who else do I find so fucking interesting? Um, probably Malcolm X. Malcolm X, Rod Serling, Patrice O'Neill, probably the main three. Um, Rod, because he, his creativity was on a, he was a, way ahead of his time. He was in Night Shyamalan and before in Night Shyamalan was in Night Shyamalan. Right. Um, Patrice O'Neill, just to get his thing to come in. And, um, Malcolm X, because of just his extreme views and the way he changed before he died and the fact that he died the way he died from the people who so heartbreaking that he was killed by other other members of the nation. That, that, that always kind of broke my heart. I, I mean, if, unless is he aware he's, he's been killed by the nation? Because I want to ask him how he felt about that. Right. Um, yeah, so probably those two. Nice. Uh, last question of these questions. Uh, a legacy is how people will, will remember you and what you leave behind after you are gone. What do you want your legacy to be? What's up? Good job, man. Yeah. Pew, pew, pew. That's that's the soundboard. Yeah. I think I think you no, I think you did really good with that segment, man. Really good. I think you did well with that segment. Um and I and I appreciate the honesty in your answers, you know? Yeah, my girls will kill me for that Bro, I I feel like I feel like we could write a lot of stuff off of this episode, but um, no, I appreciate your honesty, man, and I appreciate your candor and um, and being you, you know? I think that um, some comedians, and probably, like, obviously, like, new cats, right, that don't know much about comedy yet, and I mean, I st I'm still a new cat, um, but being able to come on here and speak from the heart and not try and sell Will Blaylock comedy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I appreciate that, man. And, and uh, I feel like everything was really heartfelt. 
So, in our same instance, check out GoBlaylockComedy. Yeah, in the same instance, yeah, he's not. You have to go to his Facebook page, people, because that's what he's working with right now. I don't have a Twitter. That's what he's working with. No Twitter, no Instagram, Facebook page. Check him out there. Um, so I think we've come to the point in the show, Jeff. We have. Will, we've come to the point in the show. Probably going to be your favorite part of the show after you hear about it. Because um, I know you love Team Grasshopper. How I know how much you love it. This is the beast mode moment. All right? So, to me, this show, we talked. you talked a lot about um, being true to yourself, not uh, booking gigs just because, you know, there are people in the crowd, right? And then kind of just staying, sticking to your roots um, as far as how you feel comedy should be. So, the Beast Mode moment today comes courtesy, again, of Team Grasshopper, and it is attempt mastery while maintaining an amateur spirit. So, to me, that means that you can get to that level like Patrice O'Neill, like Corey Holcomb, and get to that level of mastery still while doing it your way and the way that you always started and you've never changed from that. So the way that you start as an amateur can get you to mastery as long as you maintain that same spirit that you had when you first started. That's the beast mode moment. So it's time for Jeff's joint. And you got to give me a sec here, as always. As always, Jeff is pulling together Jeff's joint. Um, but Jeff's joint will kind of ties the show all together. Um, I think while we're, doing, while we're doing Jeff's joint right now, Will, I want you to think about the takeaways. Either something you want to leave the audience with or something that really resonated with you here today that you feel like, I can apply this to myself or the people that surround me. Gotcha. I'm good, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeff's joint. So it's not a song today. And it's a little long today. All right? But after this Faces in the Crowd episode with Will, getting to know him, during this past hour and a half, and Yay's beast mode moment, I think it's totally fitting. So bear with us, turn up the volume, listen up, because it works. True desire in the heart for anything good is God's proof to you sent beforehand to indicate that it's yours already. So the desire you have, that itch that you have to be whatever it is you want to be, in front of the camera, on, on the stage, behind the stage, that itch, that desire for good is God's proof to you, sent already to indicate that it's yours. You already have it. Claim it. Understand this. 
Understand this also. You have these dreams, and as Kenny said, dreams without goals remain dreams, just dreams, and ultimately fuel disappointment. Dreams without goals, yearly goals, life goals, daily goals, monthly goals, hourly goals, minute-by-minute goals. Dreams without goals are just dreams, and they ultimately fuel disappointment. Goals on the road to achievement cannot be achieved without discipline and consistency. Hmm. You understand? Between goals and achievement are discipline and consistency. I pray that you all put your shoes way under the bed that night so that you got to get on your knees in the morning. God for grace and mercy and understanding. We all fall short of the glory. We all got plenty. Just If you just start thinking of all the things you got to say thank you for, <laughs> that's a day. Come on, that's easily a day. Right? So you have all been given these gifts. We have a little boy in our show. We're doing Raising in the Sun. And he, we have a circle. We pray every day. And his prayer, he, this boy is prayed up. He just prays that we go out and touch someone tonight. He says, God, somebody out there needs us tonight. And we all have that unique gift to go out and touch people, to affect people, understand that gift, protect that gift, appreciate that gift, utilize that gift, don't abuse that gift, treasure it. You have it. You already have it. And finally, I'll say this. You'll never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. I'll say it again. You'll never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. Now, I've been blessed to make hundreds of millions of dollars in my life. I can't take it with me, and neither can you. So it's not how much you have. It's what you do with what you have. And we all have different gifts. Some money, some love, some patience, some their ability to touch people, but we all have you. So, that is the Jeff's joint for episode 20. <laughs> yeah. That was terrible. <laughs> that was bad. Denzel, that's bad Denzel. I think he had that reaction because it was so damn long, and you've probably heard it so many times, but... I believe, after speaking with Will, and I'm going right into my takeaway, by the way. Uh, This gentleman right here to my left has a very big heart. And, you know, when we talk about integrity and men of character, to me, and I just met you today, um... You're all about that, brother. And it's kind of refreshing to see, especially with what you're trying to do, that you would be real and not take a shortcut because it goes against how you feel and and what you stand for personally. So that and, uh, you know, at a young age, 
you're sitting there saying that you could go down a path and you didn't uh, because your sister. I mean, that's commendable. Uh, many people would have gone the other way. So that's, that's what I got. That's my takeaway. Cool. I appreciate you. And I do appreciate that Beast Mode moment. Um, and I had listened to that uh, once or twice. <laughs> you got me, brother. You got me. You got me. You got yeah, yeah. You know I'm I'm guilty of that sometimes. Uh, no, I appreciate Jeff's joint uh, because I had heard that a time or two. And one of the things that stood out with with what uh, Denzel, you know, what, what Denzel said was discipline and consistency. And the reason that it stood out is because I feel like I said it first. <laughs> if you go back three years ago. I said discipline and consistency on a sticky note, and I told everybody about it. But anyways, Denzel, I'm going to let you have that one. Um, but takeaways for me, uh, one thing that um, stood out to me is when Will said drugs were more accessible than books. And it, it was I don't know if those were the exact words, but drugs were more accessible than books. And that the drive that you had to realize that there was a talent there and continue to focus on that talent as opposed to falling into a totally different lifestyle, to Jeff's point. So I appreciate that uh, you said just because you're in that environment doesn't mean that that's the product that you have to be. You can be a totally different product. And then show everybody that I'm this product. I'm not a product of what's happening right here. I came from this environment, but this is the product that I am. And you can do the same thing. You don't have to be what's right there. Like, you can make your way to the library, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I greatly appreciated that. And then, uh, you know, it, this podcast, is, has, this episode has been different in the context than past episodes that we've had on. And some of the language and, and what we've talked about. And to your point, like, some comedy is not for everybody. Like, my style may not be for everybody. Your style may not be for everybody. But you have to look at what's behind it. Jeff talked about Will being a man of character. And that's what he is because he's sticking to who he is as a human being and where he feels he's going to go. And... It's admirable that he can remain true to himself, avoid the negative things that surrounded him, and still be on a very successful path and find success in what he's done so far. Case in point, Laughing Skull and some of the other shows and some of the other things that he's doing that I know that he's doing because we're in a similar scene. So those are my takeaways that regardless of if you didn't like the language or, uh, or some of the things that we spoke about, when you think about the path that was there and the path that Will decided to go, that's admirable. So those are my takeaways. It's your turn for some takeaways, man.
guitar to place uh, outside expectations on yourself. Um, you may be comparing yourself to other people in the same field, or you just may be trying to live up to expectations that other people have set upon you. Uh, just keep in mind those expectations have nothing to do with you. And if you start trying to meet those expectations, uh, you're going to lose the joy. Just uh, whatever you're doing, man, set, set your own goals uh, that you you can achieve, that you feel comfortable, that you enjoy, and keep having fun with it, man, because once the fun is gone, then, you know, it's back to work, you know, nine to five, man. Just, you can have fun with it, have fun with it. Cool, brother. Appreciate it. Again, man, appreciate having you on, man. Appreciate the laughter. Um, love you, brother. You know what I'm saying? It's a fresh relationship, but hey. It's all about love around here, man. And I love the fact that you came out, and I love the words that you spoke today, man. Thank you for having me, man. Jeff, anything? Be good to each other. This has been Beauty in the Beast Mode. I'm Yeye Martinez. This is a big Jeff. For Will Blaylock. Peace. See you.